Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. God bless you. Good to have you out on a nice Sunday. It's crazy to have like a week of sun in a row, isn't it? Uh, like I said last week, I was sick and tired of canoeing to church every Sunday uh, through the rain, so we're excited. We're starting a brand new series today uh, called Identity Theft, and we'll get that video working uh, next week and, and play it for you. But we're starting this new series called Identity Theft, really f- talking about finding our true identity in God, finding out who we really are. Knowing who you are is one of the most important things for us to know, right? Finding out who you really are is one of the most important things that you can know. And we're going to talk about that over the next couple of weeks. We're going to lead up to Father's Day. I'll just throw a little promo out for Father's Day. Father's Day is going to be off the chain. It's going to be awesome. So if you are a dad or if you've ever, you know, been a dad, previously played one on TV or stayed at a Holiday Inn Express at any point in your life, thank you. I got a few laughs. Appreciate that. Uh, then you need to be there. But ladies, bring, bring any, any if you're, even if you're a single lady and you want some guy to potentially be a dad with you, if you know what I mean, uh, bring him to that message on Father's Day. It's going to be an awesome time, powerful time. Well, I have a question for you today. Have you ever received an email? People are like, yeah, I've received one. No, wait for the question. Have you ever received an email that basically informs you that you have a long lost uncle, usually in Africa, and his name is usually something like Montague Jarvis Periwinkle the Ninth. And he's left you a vast sum of money, nine million British pounds. And all you have to do to get this nine million pounds, my friend, is send 600 pounds to, so the bank can process it. Have you ever gotten anything like this? How many of you were like, yeah, I made my fortune that way? <laughs> Thanks, Uncle Monty. You know, we have Monty here. Isn't we have a Monty here? I think he was at first service, but that's an awesome name. Anyways, uh, just so you know, uh, that's a scam. They're trying, does anybody need to know that today? You're like, thanks, I was going to do that. But uh, have you ever gotten one of those kind of emails? Hey, the, the son of the president of Nigeria needs you to, uh, you know, send him this money or give him this information so we can get this money to you. And have you ever asked the question in this kind of a scenario, what if? What if it was true? What if... I am the long-lost nephew or niece of Montague Jarvis Periwinkle IX, third Earl of Tanzania. And really, I am due to have this amazing life. What if I'm royalty? What if I am different or I'm someone other than I thought I was? Have you ever thought that? What if? I wonder about the first person that got this email on dial-up internet, you know. Anybody have that going on? How many of you had a Juno email address? Juno. You're like, hey, I'm going to send you an email. It actually take, it took longer in those days for email than regular mail. The, the mailman would like pass the internet, hey, you know, on, on his way. Dial-up internet was so slow, and you had to compete with your sister. You know, she's on the phone. Get off. I want to check my email. I need just nine days of internet time so I can download this email. But I had a Juno email account. Do you know what I'm talking about? And uh, AOL, anybody have AOL? Instant Messenger, you know, I... I know our youth guys, we'd chat with girls somewhere on there. It was not a good thing to do, but, but my friend Chris taught me how to do it. And uh, just kidding. But we had, I had a Juno email address, and I'm thinking about the first guy or lady that gets this email from the long-lost uncle, right? Can you imagine? Like, there is no, you don't understand identity theft. You don't understand that this is a scam. You get this email, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm rich, Right? What if 
this person in this moment, they, they, they all of a sudden that thrill that comes until they get scammed of their money. But right away, that thrill that comes when they, they think, what if there's more to me than I thought there was? I remember when I was a kid, I would imagine that I was royalty. You know, I, maybe I'm really a, a, a steward. I'm a Windsor. I'm, I'm meant to be the king of England. And then I realized, no, I don't want a big nose and weird ears. Uh, and an overly, <laughs> you know, overly narrow uh, family tree, right? If your family tree is a bamboo shoot, you got a problem. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I used, but I used to think, I wonder, maybe I'm, what if I'm, 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 I'm really royalty? What if I'm not who I, I think I am? And I'm here to tell you today that the answer to that question, what if, is actually, yes, you're right. You are not exactly who you think you are. In fact, the vast majority of people walking around on the planet today have little to no idea of who they are or why they're here. They just don't know. They don't, haven't connected with this. Their identity has been, been stolen from them or it's been concealed or distorted. Identity is an, is an incredibly important thing to understand. And I'll explain this in a second. But knowing who you are, knowing your identity is one of the most important things for you to know, right? It's one of the most important things for you to know. It shapes so much of your life that you're going to live. It shapes your interactions. It shapes so many things. And you don't really know who you are. I would say even if you came into this place today with a pretty good sense of who you are, that today God wants to elevate your perspective of yourself He wants to to speak something to you today. I'm here to tell you that you are more than you think you are. Even if you think you're pretty great. Even if you think like, I'm doing pretty well right now. God wants to elevate that. I pray that today you walk out of this place ridiculously over the top encouraged, right? You know, I was talking to Matt, right? And I told him he was looking really fine walking in here today. I didn't use those words particularly, but that was basically the spirit of it, right, Matt? Correct, yeah. Ladies, don't look. It's too much eye candy over there. But anyways, <laughs> protecting you here. But, uh, but he, you are looking good, though, just by the way. And I said, nobody ever leaves a church by getting overly encouraged, right? You know, I was going to that Joy Church, and oh, man, those people are just too encouraging, so I had to leave. <laughs> no. So I want, you to, I want you to be encouraged today to, to understand that you are more than you think you are. Even if you're kind of coming in with good self-worth and esteem and feeling good in your identity, I'm, as you connect with God's perspective of you and you see what God sees, you see who you really are, it changes everything. Knowing who you are is so important. And that's why the enemy of our soul, Satan, the devil, he, he comes against us at this level of our, of our identity. Because if he can mess with you at this level, this foundational level of your identity, he can mess you up in a bunch of different areas. Jesus talked about the thief, the enemy, in John chapter 10, verse 10. He said, the thief's purpose, his three-step plan for your life, is to steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus, in contrast, says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I'll take what's behind door number two. How about you? But Satan wants to steal from you. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you at the level of your identity. Why? Because your identity determines three critical factors of life. Probably more, but we'll just do three today. Your identity determines your self-worth, number one. And your self-worth, I don't mean this in the sense of a therapeutic self-worth, like, hey, you know, you you need to just think better thoughts about yourself. There's some value to that, but that's not what I mean. I mean, really, the value that you see in yourself, how you see yourself, this will affect every thought that you think. It will filter every decision and choice that you make. 
A proper understanding of who you are and how valuable you are will shape everything else in life. And we have a word for people that don't know who they are. That word is delusional, right? Wives are you know, nudging their husbands like, you know, you think you're Chuck Norris, but you're not. You're overweight and you're mean. Buy me a card. You know, all, sometimes we, we have a mistaken perception, but people that legitimately think they are someone other than they are, we call them delusional. When you, if you were to go to a, a mental institution where people are receiving treatment for, for mental health issues, I don't mean this to demean anyone. I don't mean this to demean anyone at all. But, but one of the things that you will encounter is that they think that they are someone other than who they are. We call that a mental illness when you think you're someone other than what you really are. And yet, we all have a mental illness when we don't know who we are, when we don't have a proper idea of our self-worth. And God wants to give you a proper perspective of yourself. Because there's another factor, number two, that our identity, who we are, determines our relationships. You see, if, if I see myself improperly, then I will relate to everyone improperly around me. And, and this is something that we see both positively and negatively. Have you ever had a status upgrade in your identity? Like you're feeling bad about yourself. Maybe you're feeling a little overweight. And then all of a sudden, like the Jenny Craig club comes in and there's like nine people around you that are 400 pounds. And then you feel really skinny and good, you know, feeling good. It's like you go to the gym and all the guys with noodle arms come in and they're like, you know, ready? And you're just like, yeah, I feel really yoked today, you know. And then the Oregon Ducks team walks in and you just feel like a little person and, and, and scurry out. But how we see ourselves it tremendously affects our relationships with others. I want to tell you this today. Maybe in your marriage, the problems that you have aren't about your communication per se. Maybe they're not about the other person. Maybe they're about how you see yourself, that you see something different than what you really are. You know, oftentimes it's easier for us to see how the, the true identity of another person, it's easier to see that than it even is to see our own identity. Because you have an enemy that wants to steal, to kill, to destroy, to hurt you at that deep level of your identity, to mess you up. And the third area that identity determines is our destiny. It's a big word. It just means this. It means the purpose that you were created to achieve. The purpose that you were created to fulfill. Your destiny, the pathway the destination that God has planned for you, your destiny, your identity determines your destiny. I'll say this, who you are is the foundation of your future. Who you are is the foundation of your future. Not what you do or what you think, but who you are. You see, oftentimes we think that it's what we do. Well, I do this, I do that, therefore I'll have these results. But actually, Doing comes out of being. Being precedes doing. Who you are is the foundation of your future, not what you do. Now, what you do will form the foundation of your future, but it will do that as an output, as, a, as an outflow of your identity. See, when a person is broken at the level of identity, broken at that foundational level, then their doing will, will come out of that and it will be improper and unbalanced. And you guys get it, right? So identity is the foundation of our destiny. Now remember that because that's important for us to understand even as we relate to God. But that is why the enemy wants to get you at this level of identity. If he can mess up your identity, then he can mess how you see yourself up. He can mess how you relate to others up and he can actually thwart your destiny. If you don't see yourself in the right way, then what God has called you to do can actually be thwarted by the enemy because you have to see who God's made you to be, being before doing. Let's move on. 
lot of people look at the Bible and they think that the Bible or the teachings of Christ make them less in their identity level, make them less than they are. People say, well, my identity is that I go out on the weekends and I try to find, pick up girls, or I go out on the weekends and I get hammered, or my identity is fill in the blanks. And if I become a Christian, if I begin to follow Jesus, then I will lose who I am. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. You see, the one that made you understands better than anyone else who you are and the purpose of your life. And when we come to Jesus and we begin to follow Jesus, he unlocks for us who we really are, who we were made to be, and what we were made to do. I'm here to tell you today that you are so much more than you think you are. Even if you're a Christian, even if you're already a follower of Jesus, I believe today you're going to walk out of here ridiculously encouraged because you're going to know a little bit better who you really are, who you really are in Jesus. And maybe today you're here and you, you have this kind of argument like, well, if I become a Christian, that means I have to play by all the rules and I'll lose my friends and I'll lose things. I'm here to tell you right now, when you meet Jesus, everything else pales in comparison and you get a new root and then new fruit comes out of it. We're not here to, to preach a message about, well, hey, if you act better or you just try harder, then you can hang out in this Christian club and everybody can just be, that's not what we teach. We are a church that believes that every one of us needs Jesus every day. Come on, whether you've been a Christian for a long time or this is the very first time you ever darkened the doors of a church, that's a movie theater, but whatever. The very first time, maybe that's you. Good job. How brave of you to walk in here today. And I'm here to tell you right now that God wants to connect you with your real identity and you will not lose yourself. You will discover yourself. Jesus said, if you lose yourself for my sake, you will find it. Even in the area of identity, when you come into Christ, he enhances who you really are, who you were made to be, and he gets rid of all that garbage that really isn't you. All those bondages and things that, that hang on to us. You are more than you think you are. Let's jump into the word this morning. We're going to, that's a fancy way that Christians mean to look at the Bible. Just so you know, if you're not familiar with that, we say get in the word. Another Christian word you can pick up is amen. Everybody say amen. amen. It feels good, doesn't it? it? Makes you feel a little, a little more holy when you say amen. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. We're going to read three verses, 8, 9, and 10. And 10 is our focus verse. But I wanted us to start on 8 and 9 because I want you to hear in the writings of Paul here, his letter to the church at Ephesus, the emphasis on identity and the emphasis on receiving something rather than earning something or achieving something, okay? Because oftentimes when we think about religion and even our spirituality, we think of it in the language of earning and achievement, but God wants us to see it in the language of receiving and identity, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. He says in verse 9, Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. You see, wherever you are today, maybe you feel pretty good about your walk with God. Maybe you feel really bad about your walk with God. It doesn't matter. Where you are with God is always in a place to not boast, to receive grace. It's not achieving, it's not earning, it's receiving and being. It's receiving the grace of God, receiving the gospel of Jesus and letting it change you from the inside out, change your identity, finding your place in the grace of God. And then verse 10 comes and it says, I love this verse, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us 
long ago. Let me make a couple of statements about this and we'll move on today. We are God's masterpiece. Did you know that you were the masterpiece of God before you became a Christian? And even today, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, and maybe you think, well, I'm not as good as other people because they're Christians and I'm not and I'm, I'm a sinner and all this kind of stuff. No, the, 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 you're, you, are, you were a masterpiece because God made you to be a masterpiece. You don't become more of a masterpiece because you find Jesus. In fact, God so valued the masterpiece that he made that because of sin and the distortion of the image of God and what happened to his masterpiece, it says we were created anew, which means created again, restored, renewed, reconciled, brought back. God so loved, so valued what he initially did in every person, the intrinsic worth and value that they are. They are children, we are children of God made in his image that we were so loved that even though that masterpiece had gotten distorted, he didn't throw it away and start again. He recovered, redeemed, he created it anew in Jesus so that we could do the good things that he planned for us long ago. In other words, God did not give up on you. You are his masterpiece. You were his masterpiece. You are his masterpiece. And you will be his masterpiece, regardless of how you respond to Jesus. But in Jesus, you get to be brought into identity, back to that original purpose. See, a lot of people are masterpieces, but they're distorted. They're wounded. They're torn. They're broken. And so they look pretty bad. But what we need to do is have the eyes that God has for people and say, you know what? You are a masterpiece. It looks pretty ugly when you're yelling at me and doing this and, and this kind of bad attitude and flipping me off on the belt line, even though no one in Eugene knows how to freaking merge. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you're a masterpiece, right? Maybe some other choice words that come out of that too, but you know, we're, we're walking by grace. And uh, you're a masterpiece. Do we see that in people? I want to tell you three lies today. Three lies about identity. You're like, I knew I was coming to a, a preacher because I'm going to get lied to today. No. Three lies about identity and three corresponding truths that disable and disarm these lies. These are lies that come out of our culture. These are lies that come out of our own head, that come out, they come from the enemy to, to, to thwart our destiny, to thwart our purpose in God. Number one, number one lie is this I am an accident. I am an accident. Where does this come from? Well, our culture is dominated by a scientific perspective called naturalism, which basically in a nutshell says the world is a closed natural system and everything is here by random chance. That not at some point or just in infinity, the universe just into existence and matter and energy came to be, so on and so forth. And so everything is a, a, a byproduct of natural random chance, you know, if you take a proteins and neutrons and all these kind of things and all these chemicals and then you give it a billion and more billions and more billions and more billions, we'll keep adding more time until it makes, you know, sense the, the, the naturalistic perspective and shake it all up and then out came human beings, out came animals, so on and so forth. This is the dominant scientific perspective uh, of our time, of our age, naturalism. And it says that you are an accident, that you, your life, you weren't designed, you weren't created, you were just an accident, but that's a lie. The truth is this, that you were created on purpose. First of all, you were created, you were made. Someone decided to make you, meaning that there was value and worth put into even the creative act, that, that decision meant that someone gave it some thought to actually do something uh, uh, with you. I'll, I'll make this statement to you. You were made on purpose 
for a purpose. Over and against the lie of culture that you are just time plus slime plus chance is the reality of God that you were made on purpose for purpose. And you're like, well, are you a scientist, Jake? No, but I did play one on TV. And I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express at one point in my life. You are more than time plus slime plus chance. There is a tremendous amount of scientific evidence that gives credence to the worldview that we were made on purpose and for purpose. Did you know that if the universe were actually and truly absurd and random, you would not be able to know know that? If the universe were actually absurd, meaning there was no connection, there was no logic, there was no design, there was no uh, laws of nature, rules of, of nature, so on and so forth, that you as an observer in that universe would not even be able to recognize that because there would be no such thing as a standard by which you could measure something against. So the very fact that at times we can even feel that the universe is absurd. Why the heck did this happen? Why did this person murder these people? Why did that meteor fall on my head? You know, there was a thing I used to look at in college called the Darwin Awards, and it was all the stupidest ways people die. You know, one person died because a frozen stream of urine fell out of an airplane and speared them. That is one heck of a tombstone, right? Here lies uh, Jimmy John, and uh, he was killed by a frozen stream of urine falling from 37,000 feet in the air. Uh, R.I.P., you know. Um, But the fact that we can look at that and go, what the heck? That's absurd. That the universe even appears absurd to us at all, that someone would even come to this idea that we even popped out by random chance, shows that we are not random, that there are measurements of logic and measurements of science and even going into the area of purpose and why human beings long to make a difference that makes no sense if all you are is time plus, time plus slime plus chance. doesn't make sense. doesn't make sense at all. Why? Because you were made on purpose for a purpose. Let's watch a short video here. Smarter people than me made this. And I'm going to show you the very first minute of this video. Go on YouTube and watch it all. It's about six minutes, Dr. Craig videos. But we're going to watch the first minute of this, just talking about the life-permitting factors of the universe. The fact that there was so much design put even into the ability for life to come. Go ahead and play that, guys. All right. <clears throat> That's a little teaser trailer for you there. You have to uh, uh, go on YouTube and finish that video. We'll post the, the link to that. How many of you would like to see the whole thing? Yeah. We'll post the link to that on our Facebook page. And then tomorrow when we do the Monday moment, I'll, I'll probably mention that or throw the link up there so you can watch the whole thing. But what is the point of showing you that? The point is this. Even for life to exist at all, there are hundreds and hundreds of factors, uh, what are called cosmological constants, that have to be exactly on the razor's edge, not just that number by itself, but also in relationship to this vast quantity of other constants like gravity and the nuclear strong force, nuclear weak force. I have no idea what I'm saying. I just know these words. I'm spitting them out randomly. How many of you are like, I totally understand what he's talking about. No, you're lying. Come on. Just. So, but all of these things have to be exactly on point, not just for us to come into existence, but even for the universe to be life permitting at all. Even for the stage to exist upon which this grand cosmic drama of God's redemptive purpose seen through human history to even have a place to happen, all of these things have to come into order. Meaning this, the idea that you are an accident is a big, fat lie. You were made on purpose for purpose. Psalms 139 verse 4, the psalmist says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. 
Sometimes ancient people were smarter scientifically than we are today, even at our vast scientific knowledge that we have, because they got some foundational things right. Therefore, other things fell into place. But this is a key area to grab hold of. You are not an accident. You are made on purpose for a purpose. Lie number two. This is a, a huge lie specifically for young people, but I know older people deal with this too. It says, I am worthless. I'm worthless. I, I'm not worth anything to anybody. I've made too many mistakes and I've failed. I, I've failed in my relationships. I've sinned. I'm dirty. I'm disgusting. Um, you know, one of the saddest things that happens in our culture is when someone is molested or abused that they tend to take that to themselves and feel like it's their fault and that they're worthless or that they are bad and they caused something to happen. It's so sad. But I'm here to tell you today that is a big fat lie. You are not worthless. You are so, you have so much worth. You have eternal value. And you say, well, Jake, what do you mean I have eternal value? Well, let me make this statement to you. You are so valuable. You were worth Jesus to God. You were worth Jesus to God. Meaning this, that when God saw that his masterpiece was lost, distorted and broken by sin and messed up, he emptied heaven's bank accounts and sent his only son to die on the cross for your sins. God sent his son so that he could bring you and I into his family. If you want to talk about being worthwhile, you were worth Jesus to God. That Jesus, the name above every, above every other name, the name by which everyone will bow down, the most valuable, Jesus, the most worth, he was offered as the payment for you and I. Don't say you're worthless. You have tremendous worth. For God so loved the world. Do you live in the world? Then he's talking about you. That he gave his only son. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. What a promise. Why? Because you're worth something. Not just something, you're worth everything. You have so much worth. Let me tell you this today. People who believe they are worthless do worthless things. You know, I think sometimes in our in our culture, we're really quick to point out how worthless something is or how worthless someone is. Even in, in Manchester, what happened this last week, I don't know if you saw that, but there was a, a, a bombing, a terrorist bombed uh, an Ariana Grande concert. Sounds like a Starbucks drink, but whatever. People went to that concert. And uh, it was little kids. I mean, it was, it was little kids down to like eight years old and teenagers that were at this concert just there to have fun, just to live their life. And this young man who... Someone taught him that God wanted him to kill people. He blew himself up and, and killed, what, 22 people? And you know, it's easy to look at that and go, man, what a worthless guy. What a piece of garbage he is. Do you know what maybe could have happened if somebody would have come and spoken some worth into that young man? You see, he's made in the image of God too. He did something worthless, something really, truly evil because he didn't know who he really was. So don't tell me identity doesn't matter. See, when you connect with who you really are, who you were made to be, it changes everything for you and for the world. The enemy wants to keep your true identity suppressed. He wants to keep your true identity concealed from you because if he can get you to not know who you are, then he can tell you to do things that you're not supposed to do. And even that young man, if somebody had spoken some worth into his life, at some point and said, did you know that God loves you? You were worth Jesus to God. You have eternal value. Your life is not fulfilled by blowing yourself up and killing a bunch of other kids. Worthless. People who think they are worthless do worthless things. But people that know they have eternal value, they do eternally valuable things because they know who they are. 
because their identity is the basis of their destiny, because their who they are is the foundation of their future. And as followers of Jesus, one of our core missions in life is to put value into people, to add value to them. You know, we were joking about nobody leaves the church because they're over-encouraged. And I told our, our volunteer team, our dream team, who are just some of the most amazing people, isn't our dream team awesome? If you're not on the dream team, woo, you need to get on it because it's fun. Not only is it amazing to, to serve and to find who you are and serve in the church, but, but also we have an amazing party every couple of months called the block party. So I'm just saying, that's pretty fun. But I was telling our dream team, you know, just talking about encouragement, I said, hey, just encourage somebody today. Find one person and encourage them. What if we as followers of Jesus worried a lot less about telling people how bad they are and how far away they are from God and we, we began to encourage and speak worth and value to them and said, did you know you're actually a masterpiece? You might think you're an accident. You're not. You were made for, you are made on purpose for purpose. And then watch what happened. If we got really, really good at encouraging people rather than pulling people down or being silent, I, I guarantee you the gospel would begin to find a hold in our city. What if you went around in your neighborhood and you knocked on doors and somebody like sheepishly opens like, hey, what are you doing? You're trying to sell something to me. And you just said, hey, actually, I'm just here to tell you today that you are an awesome person. You're amazing. And you don't know that maybe all the time. And maybe nobody's told you that today. But that's all I'm here today to do is tell you you're awesome and God loves you. And then walk away. And when that person needs to, to find out answers about who they are, guess who they're going to come looking for? You know, it's interesting. In 1 Peter 3.15, it says, always be ready to give an answer to those who ask you for the hope that is within you. It doesn't say always be ready to go and, and spit out the, you know, answer questions no one's asking. It says be ready to give an answer for those that ask you. Some of the best evangelism happens when someone else starts the conversation. But how do we get conversations started? By being really, really ridiculously encouraging. You see, people that know their worth to God are going to be, they're going to, they're going to spill over the love of God, the goodness of God, the joy of the Lord is going to spill over. I hope when you walked in today that someone made you uncomfortable with how nice they were, right? Because we want the worth that God has invested in us as followers of Jesus to emanate out. Come on, let's encourage people. As followers of Jesus, you have been, you are empowered to share God's love. And we often spiritualize that way too much. Sharing God's love means preaching a three-point message. No, it doesn't. Sharing God's love means being nice. Because the world needs more people to be kind, to care, to listen. Come on, yeah. To have some more barbecues. Hello. It's Memorial Day tomorrow. Who's, who are you going to have over to have, feed some meat to, right? We're not vegetarians. That's not a Christian thing. Come on, we like meat. That's... <laughs> right? We like it. That's, that's, not, that's not the Bible. That's just me. All right. People who believe they're worthless do worthless things. People that know who they are, that they have worth, they do meaningful things. Lie number three, I am what I do, meaning this, I'm only as valuable as my contribution. This is something that, that men, that we tend to, to embrace, is that I'm only as good as the paycheck I bring home. Uh, my identity is, is how big of, a, of an animal did I kill, you know, and bring home. Uh, my identity is in how many, if, if you're not, you know, living a pure life, how many women did I conquest? Uh, my identity is, is these kind of things, and it's only my contribution. It's only my, my earning, my effort that, that gives me worth 
and value. And I'm here to tell you today, that's, that's not true at all. The truth is you were made for relationship. And then you were called into purpose. You were made to have a relationship with God first and foremost. Second, you were made to have a relationship with other people. And third, you were made for the purpose that you're going to fulfill. But if we take on this idea that I'm only as good as my contribution, whether that's to God or to the world, then, that, then our identity is anchored and connected to the ups and downs of what our abilities and our achievements can earn for us. But if we connect our identity to the love of God and the relationship that we have with God, then it doesn't matter how b- bad you mess up or how good you do. You don't get too high or too low because you are resting in your identity in Jesus. And, and you, you walk with the confidence, but not the arrogance. You walk with the humility, but not with the humiliation. You stay pretty level because you're always confident, not in, your, in who you, what you can do, but you're confident in what has been done for you. Confident in your new identity, your relationship with God. It's being before doing. There's this beautiful story that Jesus tells. It's a parable about, it's called the parable of the prodigal son. It means a prodigal just means wasteful. And Jesus talks about God, he, but he puts it in a story. He says there was a father who had these two sons and one said, I want my inheritance. And he goes and he wastes his inheritance in prodigal living. You've heard this story. And he loses all this money and he blows it. He messes up his life and he's feeding pigs for a living and he's actually eating their food. And he just hits rock bottom. And then this picture of repentance happens. The son who had everything but lost it all, wasted his father's money, is eating the pig food, He has an epiphany and he comes to his senses and he says, even the hired help in my father's house, even the servants eat better than me. I'm gonna go back and ask dad, can I be your servant? And it's actually a great picture of repentance that when we hit rock bottom, it's not, our attitude should be, wow, I've really messed it up. And I would be willing to just go and serve. I would be willing to just be a a slave for God if I could just get back to that place of relationship. It's actually how our heart should be oriented when we repent. But then Jesus twists it around and does something, tells the story, and it's so incredible. This son comes, and he's going to say, I want to be a servant. And there's his dad, and he's waiting for him, and he's watching. And as he walks up the lane, the father runs, and he throws his arms around him, and he hugs him, and he says, my son. And I imagine that this, Jesus is telling the story, but this son, he, he's saying, dad, I screwed it up. I sinned against heaven. I sinned against you. And if I could just be a servant. Dad, if I could just serve the, the pigs, if I could just make dinner, if I could just clean dishes. Dad, anything I can do, can I just, can I just be around you, Dad? Can I just be around you? I, and the father says, no. Thank you. <laughs> the father says, no. You can't just be a servant. You're my son. Do you know the only way to come into God's kingdom, into God's house? You can't come in as a servant. You have to come in as a son or a daughter. Because God wants to get you right at the area of your identity before he sets you loose to make a difference in your destiny. And that the very best serving we do comes out of the place of our identity as a son or a daughter, not out of our, not out of our association as a servant. If you come here to Joy Church and you serve, that's beautiful. But you know what? That's not enough, Right? It's about you being a son or a daughter. If you serve because you think I'm earning it or I'm achieving something or I'm I'm making myself valuable, you missed something really critical, which is that you were valuable before you did anything. 
You were worthwhile before you served, any, served anyone. You were worthwhile and valuable before you gave any money. You were worthwhile and valuable because you are worthwhile and valuable. Because you are a son or a daughter of God. And when you achieve that, or not achieve it, when you receive that truth, I am not what I do. I am not only as good as my latest Instagram post. I am not only as good as the paycheck that I bring home. I am worthwhile because I'm a son of God, because I'm a daughter of God. When you get that, when you serve out of that place, you will make a huge difference in the world. Let me just tell you right now, sons and daughters will serve all day in circles around servants. See, when it gets difficult, the hired hands, they run away. But the sons and daughters say, this is my house. This is our table. This is our place. We have full refrigerator rights here. Come on, somebody. God wants to invite you into his family to give you a place to belong. God wants to set you free so that you know I'm a son or a daughter of God. I don't tie my identity to my achievements. I tie my identity to my affection for God and his affection for me. At the level of relationship is where I belong. That's where I'm connected. And when I serve out of that, I make a difference. My identity comes from God.